Friday. Hour number is a good day. I don't care who you are. It's a Friday, end of the work week. Unless, of course, you got to work weekends. Maybe you're getting ready to go into the bar. You're a server, something like that. Bartender, cook, chef, you name it. Probably working. But the rest of us, we're looking forward to coming and seeing you. And uh, one of the places you could go would be Sunset Grill in Pewaukee. Sunset, Sunset Grill right down, down there in the cove. Neat, neat place to go. Watch the sunset literally down there. But uh, they've got karaoke and all kinds of stuff going on, entertainment on the weekend, terrific food. Stop in and see our friends at the Sunset Grill on Pewaukee Lake. Just make the round. Sunset, Curly's Waterfront, back to Sunset, back to Curly's. Stop at the uh, Smokey's Bait Shop, back to Sunset. There you go. You can do the whole thing this weekend. Not a bad way to go. Uh, 877-867-1670. Ben Kenny along for the ride, producing the program. I'm Bill Michaels, bringing in our buddy uh, Mark Schofield, SB Nation. And, uh, Mark, uh, boy, let's start off with the coaching carousels right now because it's not the way it was on, say, Black Monday when usually you got this myriad of firings and seven and eight and nine jobs are open. We got, what, four or something like that, five? I think it's not a huge amount. It's more coordinators getting canned than head coaches. Yeah, Bill, and it's great to be with you today. And it has sort of played out differently than we've seen in years past. Typically, like you said, there's a flood of moves at the start. There's a lot of head coaching changes that are announced right on that first Monday after the season ends. There's a lot of head coaching movement. It's been, you know, a bit, you know, muted, I'd say. It's slower this season. I think, like you said, there's been a lot of coordinator movement that we're seeing, certainly, you know, the Vikings just part of ways with their defensive coordinator. I think part of that, you know, is due to the fact that you've got first-year head coaches, uh, new head coaches that are stepping into some situations or younger coaches, like, for example, uh, the Braden Staley situation down in Los Angeles where there's been a lot of frustration with that Chargers offense. And, you know, there were some that thought that Staley himself might sort of be, you know, in, on the hot seat at least after the way that that season ended. He played some of the starters in Week 18, and then Mike Williams can't go the wild card game you blow that lead you know it's joe lombardi the offensive coordinator that takes the fall and so you know maybe this is a trend maybe this is sort of a one-off season where it's more coordinators that are facing the brunt of some failures down the end of the season or down the stretch but it's been a different sort of hiring cycle to say the least so let me ask you this when it comes to the head coaches because usually what happens is an offensive coach gets fired and a defensive coach comes in and we know Eric Bieniemy's gotten a lot of play, and they've you know, been a lot of questions why he doesn't have uh, a head coaching gig. It's mainly for the fact that he's still, you know, working in the postseason. But, you know, who are some of the hotter candidates, I guess, that are out there that really have one side of the ball or the other? I don't want to say experience because not many of them are head coaches. But uh, when you look at this, who needs what? Yeah, I mean, you're right about that, Bill. We typically see this go in cycles where. You know, a team that has – take the Denver Broncos job, for example. They just part ways with Nathaniel Hackett, obviously an offensive-minded head coach, offensive coordinator background. And generally what we would see is, okay, you go in a different direction now. You're going to go with a defensive coordinator, defensive-minded coach. And, frankly, that's sort of what happened in Denver to begin with because they part ways with Vic Fangio, defensive coordinator background, and they go with the offensive coach. But we're also seeing, look at the seven of the eight teams left standing right now. Their head coaches have offensive backgrounds. You know, with the way that this game is trending right now, with the way that, you know, we're leading into the passing game, younger quarterbacks are playing earlier in their careers. So maybe you want somebody with that offensive background to put them in a 
position to be successful, we might see teams like, say, Denver go offense-offense. You know, there's a lot of rumblings about perhaps Sean Payton, or maybe they go with a different offensive mind. And so you might see put, you know, coaches like Shane Steichen, for example, uh, the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia. He's getting a lot of attention right now. Kellen Moore is obviously getting a lot of buzz right now, the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys. You know, Sean Payton's return to coach and is also, again, offensive-minded coach. So you might see teams sort of double down on offense. That doesn't mean that there aren't smart defensive minds out there. One of the names that's at the top of many lists right now, Demeco Ryan, the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. It seems like he's, you know, put himself to the top of head coaching cycle lists. Dan Quinn and the job that he's done, sort of reinventing his own defensive philosophy down in Dallas. You know, he's a name to watch right now. Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator for the Eagles, is another name to watch in these, in you know, during this hiring process. And so, it'll be interesting to see if that sort of offense-defense flip continues, or if teams continue to lean into the idea of you know this trend of hiring offensive-minded head coaches. Um, I wanted to ask about some of the teams that uh, obviously have coordinator positions that are open. When you look at, say, like Ed Donatel gets canned, that defense was supposed to be better in Minnesota, and they weren't. As a matter of fact, they looked rather inept. They put a lot of stock into that, a lot of money into that, and it didn't work out. And we know that was their Achilles heel, but also they've got quarterback uh, uh, quarterback to think about. They've got some other positions to think about. Give me your thoughts on a team like who's right there, like Minnesota. They're right there. But they can't get over that hump, so they fire Ed Donatello. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like, look, you know, that defense had struggled over the past couple of seasons and certainly struggled this year. It's going to be an area of concern headed into the offseason. You know, when you look at, you know, we start seeing mock drafts and free agency discussion, there's going to be a lot of attention paid to sort of how the Vikings address the defensive side of the ball. But I think once the dust sort of settles and we get, you know, some coordinators moving up. Like if Dan Quinn decides to, you know, take a head coaching job somewhere, I think you know, Donatel is going to get looked at for another D.C. job. I think it was just sort of a circumstance where, you know, they had some roster construction problems on the defensive side of the ball in Minnesota. Some of the things sort of didn't work out that they were trying to do schematically. But I still think that you know, he's a good defensive mind. He's probably going to get some looks pretty quickly, depending on how the rest of the sort of hiring cycle works out so i think that's important to keep in mind and we're also going to continue to see you know the sort of fangio vic fangio tree of defensive philosophy you know has sort of expanded around the nfl you know the two high looks and the things that we're all talking about all season long you know how do you combat some of the offenses we're seeing today you know, and Donatel was part of that. You know, he spent some time under Fangio, both in Denver and before that in Chicago as their defensive backs coach. So if organizations are going to continue to lean into that defensive philosophy, somebody with that background is going to get looks for jobs, even with the way things ended in Minnesota. Talking with Mark Schofield of SB Nation, uh, joining us on the on the phone, also uh, at Mark Schofield over on Twitter. So, Mark, obviously we got a situation in Green Bay where whether or not they're going to pick up that fifth year of Jordan Love, they've got Aaron Rodgers deciding to come back. At some point, they got a lot of money tied up. They, they, you know, they're, they're, they're keeping Joe Barry. I mean, give me your thoughts on the Packers organization. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was fascinating to watch this Packers team evolve over the, you know, reasonably dating back to last season, how they sort of constructed things from a roster strand standpoint. 
you know, the expectations that the, that this defense was going to be a big part of their run this year. That didn't come together until later in the season, as we've talked about. The concerns over Rodgers getting on the same page with some of these younger receivers took longer than we anticipated. You know, they make this run to get into a win-it-in situation in Week 18, and they don't get it done. Obviously, the first big domino is Aaron Rodgers. What does he decide to do? Does he decide to come back? Because he is, you know, just one season removed from an MVP run, and I think he could still play at a very high level. And as we talked about a couple weeks ago, you know, when we saw late in the season – you know, Rodgers start to really develop that chemistry with Watson and these younger receivers. I remember saying, look, you know, this might be big for them potentially getting in the playoffs, but it might also be big for Rodgers deciding to come back next year. Now, you know, whether he does or doesn't, that's up in the year. The Jordan Love piece of that probably waits on that decision. So I think we're all sort of stuck in a wait-and-see mode with what does Rodgers decide to do. Now, he said, I know you guys talked about this a lot this week already, you know, that he understands that decisions have to be made quickly and he's going to make his quickly. But until that first piece falls into place, we're kind of in a wait-and-see mode. The the, the team itself, um, they misfired in many different areas. Obviously, the shuffling on the offensive line, some of the injuries, they had to wait for guys to kind of, be, you know, become cohesive again. The defense, they lost Rashawn Gary. They lost uh, Stokes in the backfield. How far away are they, in your opinion, if, say, they run this thing back? How far away are they? What do they need, in your opinion, for this team to go from being an outside-in looker when it comes to the postseason to being a legitimate Super Bowl contender? I don't think they're far away, though. I mean, I really don't. I think losing Gary hurt, you know, because what he was doing early in the season from a pass rushing standpoint, you know, some of the plays that he made. I mean, you know, I've got a, a sack against New England and the sear into my brain. Um, that showed just how effective he can be off the edge. You know, I think that certainly hurt. Cohesiveness along the offensive line is certainly an area that I think they need to address. Um, free agency draft, whatever, you have to find your, you know, your best five to get in front of the quarterback, whether it is Rodgers, whether it is somebody else. Um, but I don't think this team's far away. I, I think it's just, you know, the one we saw – at the last half of the season was what we were expecting to see from this team. And I think, you know, fixing the offensive line, ensuring you've got your best five in front of Rodgers, getting everybody healthy, having that defense play the way we expected it to when the year began, having that consistency throughout the season. This is a team that I think can make another run next year. You know, again, the Rodgers component to that is a big question. Uh, then I got to ask you about the games coming up this weekend. Let's start with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, Jaguars, obviously, the underdog, the Chiefs, the top spot in the AFC. But Jacksonville's riding this little bit of magic that they they had in that second half of that game last week. Did they run out of magic, or do they still are they now feeling it? And they got you know with with playing with house money, you just throw everything on the table and you're like, here we go, and becomes a dangerous team. Yeah, I mean, I think the sort of house money scenario is a tough one. You know, we saw something similar last week between Buffalo and Miami. Miami on the road, down to their third-string quarterback, nothing to lose. They almost stole that one. And I think Jacksonville's in a sort of similar situation where they got a playoff win. You know, most people sort of look at Jacksonville and think, you know, they're probably a year or maybe even two years ahead of schedule to be in the divisional round this year. I don't think people expected that. Um, so there is that sort of house money element that makes them a dangerous team to face. You know, but they're going up against a team that has evolved over the past couple of seasons. It's been fascinating to watch the evolution of 
Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs offense and going from this sort of explosive downfield passing game to, you know, this year they've been a little bit more patient. They've spread the ball around. They've used three tight ends at times to create some big plays. You know, it's a team that's obviously playoff tested and experienced. They've been in a lot of big games. And so I think, yeah, you know, Jacksonville might come in with nothing to lose, but it's not like, you know, Kansas City is going to panic. You know, they're going to be ready for this game. And, you know, I think Jacksonville's, you know, little magical run here ends this weekend. I expect Kansas City to win this game. I expect Mahomes to play well. He played very well against Jacksonville when these two teams met earlier this season. And what's fascinating to think about, and I'm actually writing about this right now, you know, the drop eight coverages that we saw give Mahomes some, some fits last year, particularly in the AFC Championship game, has been much better against those this year. Jacksonville tried it five times in their regular season meeting. Mahomes hit on all five throws for two touchdowns. And so, you know, I think he's going to be able to figure this defense out as well as the Jaguars defense has been playing down the stretch. I think Mahomes has a pretty big day. The, uh, the Giants on the road taking on the Eagles, um, obviously with Jalen Hurts in the shoulder, nobody really knows w- what he's capable of. I get the sense that he's ripping and raring to go. And this whole thing about holding him back and changing their offense, it's like you don't, there is no tomorrow if you lose. So you got to let it all hang out. I, I think the Eagles have the real, a legitimate shot at running away with this game. I think so, too. I mean, I, so much of what the Eagles do on offense, it starts with Jalen Hurts and – you know, I, I think he's going to be as close to 100% as somebody gets at this point in the season, even though he's coming off that shoulder injury. And I think you're absolutely right. You know, one of the things that stands out about Jalen Hurts, one of the things that, you know, stood out studying him when he was coming out of college and entering the draft was that, you know, competitive toughness, those leadership qualities. You know, in the division around, you know, his second playoff game, but his first playoff game this year, you know, I don't think they're going to hold anything back. I, I think their entire playbook's going to be open. You know, they're going to use him in the run game. They're going to be the offense that they've been all season long. And I think, look, you know, credit to Brian Dable, credit to Daniel Jones and everything the Giants have done this year. It's a fantastic season. This is a team that I think might, you might say is two or three years ahead of schedule, given how quick the turnaround has been and where that team was from a cap and roster standpoint last spring. It's been an incredible story from the Giants, but I do think that story ends Saturday night. Talk with Mark Schofield, SB Nation. A couple more things. Uh, an emotional game from the last time these two teams met, Cincinnati and Buffalo. This time, though, it's in Buffalo. And this is going to be a fans game. This is going to be a DeMar Hamlin remembrance game. Yeah, he's doing great. I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up. Meanwhile, Cincinnati has an ailing offensive line. Couldn't move the ball real well in the second half. Jamar Chase was basically shut down. Give me your thoughts on that one. Yeah, I, I still think this is going to be a very good game and a very close game. I think... Both teams, we sort of talked a minute ago about how Buffalo faced a team in Miami that had, you know, nothing to lose and sort of put everything on the table. So that was a sort of tough matchup for them. Cincinnati had a tough matchup with Baltimore. Those are, you know, division rivals. They know each other. Those are emotional games. And Baltimore, you know, they're able to get pressure on Burrow. Like you said, that offensive line is banged up. But I, I think in this game, you're going to see from Burrow, you know, what we've seen from him this season. Second fastest time to throw this year behind only Tom Brady. He's the fastest in time to throw last week against those Baltimore Ravens. He's going to be quick, be decisive, get the ball out quickly, you know, try to limit any sort of pressure and minimize the risk from that banged-up offensive line. So I think Cincinnati's going to score some points. Josh Allen has made some mistakes. Teams have found some ways to sort of create opportunities against this Bills offense. And, you know, the Bengals defensive coordinator, there's a name, Luan um, it should be in the hiring cycle as well. He's done a fantastic job. So I think the Bengals make this a close game. 
I still think Buffalo probably squeaks this one out, 24-21 or something like that. But I expect a very good game in this one. Last one. You got the Cowboys and the 49ers and the Cowboys on short rest, which is what everybody in, in Dallas is talking about. They feel everything's completely unfair and against them. In the meantime, you got Mr. Irrelevant quarterbacking the 49ers in this one. Yeah, and I think this is perhaps the game of the week just because of the things we're going to see, you know, from both offenses against these defenses, the matchup between Kyle Shanahan and Dan Quinn, you know, two coaches that obviously know each other well, you know, the matchup when Demeco Ryans is on defense, the Niners defense is on the field against Kellen Moore. You know, a lot of people are sort of wondering, are we going to see sort of the bad Brock Purdy game? He's been playing so well, but, you know, you look at some of the throws, even last week against the Seahawks where, you know, there were completions, but, you know, a defender takes a different step, a different angle, and maybe it goes the other way. Is this the week that luck finally breaks for Purdy? Who knows? But I think this is the most fascinating game of the week from an X's and O's standpoint. I'm excited to watch it. I think the Niners win this game. I do think it's going to be close, another field goal type of game. But I think that 21 personnel package they have with McCaffrey and Debo and the different ways they can make you as a defense run no matter what you do, that ultimately is going to be huge on Sunday night. Always great to talk to you, my friend. I appreciate it, and we'll talk again next week, okay? Thanks so much, Bill. Have a great weekend, and enjoy the games, everyone. You too. Thanks, Mark. Mark Schofield, SB Nation, joining us. You can get his stuff at Mark Schofield. Don't forget, go to SB Nation, read all about everything that he was talking about and the articles that he's putting together uh, now, uh, but just a good guy. And he actually moved from Wednesday to today because uh, his time slot, we brought in Kevin Harlan, and he was more than willing to kind of negotiate that. So thanks to him for doing that for us as well. Hey, don't forget, uh, Boat Show coming up. Skipper Buds is going to be there. They want me to remind you, stop over to the Skipper Buds display. Tell them I sent you. Ask for Todd if you're looking for a boat. doesn't matter whether it's a big yacht, down to a pontoon, fishing boat, new boat, used boat, whatever it is. They've got boats of all types. But stop and see them at the Boat Show and make sure you use our the, the, the show. Say, hey, I listen and hear about you guys all the time on the Bill Michael Show. They give you a discount, give you a good deal. Deal. That's the best part about it. Check out our friend, especially if Todd's there. Ask for Todd, who is the GM of the uh, Skipper Buds in Pewaukee. They're making deals right there on site, so make sure you tell them we said hi. Stay tuned. we got more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. stuff coming up a week from today a week from today we are going to be at the distillery in grafton the distillery in grafton a week from today we're going to be there for the show uh and they open up at 11 but we're going to on the air 10 a.m to 2 p.m and we'll be there um live uh and looking forward to it in so many different ways and giving away a 55 inch big screen tv right then and there and they are going to have bud light specials they got some whiskey specials come out for lunch hang out with us or just stop in you say hi Take back off. But uh, somebody is going to walk away with a brand new 55-inch big screen TV. Then, two weeks from today, I am happy to announce we're going to be at Stoley's Hog Alley. Now, I've been wanting to do this a while because he just reopened. They completely gutted uh, and kind of blew out the backside. And then they put a second deck on it. The renovation is done. They wanted to get up and running first to make sure they could cover everything. But two weeks from today... 
We are going to be doing our Super Bowl preview, and we're going to be heading to Stoley's Hog Alley on Friday the 3rd. Friday the 3rd, February 3rd. We're going to be there, and really looking forward to that and uh, doing our Super Bowl preview show. We're going to have some giveaways that day as well. But the day before, on Friday or uh, on Thursday the 2nd, ladies listen up, or guys listen to the ladies. Let them know because uh, they have a ladies shopping event coming up at Stoley's. That's right. There's going to be door prizes, raffles, food and drink specials. Um, so they say, as they put it, tag your besties. Guys, just stay away. Go hang out. Go do something else. So Thursday night, February 2nd, Stoley Hog Alley, it kinda, it's a ladies' takeover. Uh, guys, you can move in on it after 9 o'clock at night. So there you go. Uh, but it's all brought to you by our friends at Bud Light. So we're looking forward to the broadcasts. Uh, we're looking forward to the final couple of huddles. We're going to be out and about over the next couple of weeks, four different places, four different events, and then we head to Phoenix, Arizona. We're going to be live from Radio Row, and that is going to be a blast as always. Myself, Mike Clemens, Erica, Kristen's going with us. Starting on uh, Monday, February 6th, we'll be live in Arizona the entire week. Really looking forward to it and giving you the lead-up to a Super Bowl. We're going to get there on uh, the 3rd, uh, the night of the 3rd, and then starting, uh, just follow us on social media on the 4th and 5th and all the way through the week, we'll be uh, we'll be doing Super Bowl coverage. So really, really looking forward to it. Looking forward to it, big time. Ben, I know you can't go this year, but next year we got to coordinate this thing so you are on site and hanging with us out at Super Bowl. We've already got people lined up for guests too, by the way. Did you know that? I I figured. I don't think I knew yeah. for sure. There's a lot going on um, around here, so it's in there? my mind, but it's not all out in the. What all, what else happening there? What do we need to know? I mean, there's there's a lot of moving parts. Um, okay, you know, we have our show Tuesday and Thursday night. Okay. There's some morning show. How did last night go? By the way, out at Monks, it was good. We were we were going to be joined by Daryl Peterson, outside linebacker on the Badgers. Uh, some uh-huh. complications there, so I think he'll join us next week out there. Okay. But it was good. I, you know, the news, the cycle never stops around the program right now. It's it's no mm-hmm. more a, a normal January where you just talk about basketball and look forward to the spring. There are things right. happening every day. So it's been good. It's been fun. Okay. Yeah, this, uh, this is a busy time of year. Once we hit Super Bowl, then we get home. We got a little time. Brewers going to spring training and such. And then after that, we crank up. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you're into April and May, and boy, off off we go again. And it's the the golf outings, it's cigar dinners, it's travel, it's affiliates, all that kind of stuff. We've got something coming up. I'm going to try to book something where I I think, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think there's an event in March that we're going to end up in Viroqua. And Ernie's called me a couple of times, our buddy Ernie Betts out there, and I think we're going to end up in Viroqua. So we're going to try to try to do that. But we're just trying to get through our schedule right now. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen. we got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away because we went a little bit long with our buddy Mark Schofield, but there was a lot to get to. Step away. Come back. Uh, I, I got to get into. Uh, I got to get into. Uh, just a, a couple of things uh, coming up in about 15 minutes, and that is two different quarterback songs. I, I, well, you can hear them. You can hear them. And... Uh, I don't know many songs that are written strictly for quarterbacks, but it's got to be organic. So we'll talk about that coming up in 15 minutes. Stay tuned. Got a whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up this portion of the program. Brought to you by our buddy, uh, um, uh, our friend uh, Joey Albanese. Uh, they have a hell of a f- Italian fish fry going on at Albanese's Roadhouse. Starts today, 4 o'clock. Stop in. And uh, right there next to Menards on Blue Mountain Road, 
in, in the Waukesha area of Brookfield, but a hell of an Italian fish fry. Oh, so good. Now, you don't need a fish fry this week if you don't want to. You don't have to. But if you want to, there you have it. They got an Italian fish fry going on. Stop in and check it out. More of the Bill Michael Show next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good to have you on board. Hey, uh, don't forget about our friends at Great Lakes Dragaway down in Union Grove, Wisconsin. If you're looking for the, uh, or maybe you have the itch for the need for speed. You know? Maybe you have the itch for the need for speed. And you, you're, you've you got that kind of in your blood, whether it's uh, dragsters, your own car, motorcycles. 2023 season passes. Dates are booking up. so And you can rent the track. Did you know that? Want to get you and a bunch of friends together, go down there and see who's got the fastest car? You can do that. Check out our friends at GreatLakesDragaway.com. That's GreatLakesDragaway.com. Again, GreatLakesDragaway.com. Their season's not far away. Not far away. Good stuff. And they're just great people. And uh, we might be doing some more business with them. Hint, hint. Just an FYI. Now I got you wondering, don't I? That's what they call a segue and a drop in the world of radio. Hey, um... Ben, this is just a bizarre story, for lack of a better term. I don't, I don't know how else to, to put it. Um, I, can you explain to me? Now, fans do a lot of things, right? You see the, the mustard guy uh, in Buffalo, the guy that every before every game gets just da- doused in mustard, for whatever reason, I don't know. How'd that start, by the way? Do you know that? No, I Any don't. chance? Okay. He gets doused in mustard before every game, and which is just bizarre. Um, but you got the Bills Mafia, and they're jumping off of uh, trucks and vans and stuff, and breaking tables. We all know that. Uh, at Lambeau, you know, brats and beer, tailgating by far. The fair at Lambeau Field. Every time I get somebody that comes in from out of town that says, oh, my God, you ought to see us. You know, even Cowboys fans, you know, for down there at AT&T Stadium, you got to see the the RVs and this and that. And, and shut up. Wait till you get it here. And then they're like, holy crap, this is, you guys should go pro. So there, there's professionals, right? You got Raider Nation, the black hole. They come in all pa- face painted and dragged out and everything. But for a big game, I, you know, I know for a big game, what's the, what's the, 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 the thing you would do, like a really, like if the Eagles were in, when when Eagles won the Super Bowl some years back, like five, six years ago, when the Eagles were going to the Super Bowl, Ben, what did you do prior to the game? I got hammered. You're an absolute mess, and you should be standing up uh, <laughs> uh, um, about 12 people and standing up and going, hi, my name's Ben, and I, I'm an alcoholic. Ah, I, no, that's what you should be listen, doing. Listen, <laughs> there was nothing I could do. I The nerves... I, it was one you of those. You didn't get like a jersey. You didn't get hats. You didn't, you know, you didn't like when, like years ago, when I was younger, and uh, the Cincinnati was going to the Super Bowl, led by Boomer Esiason. Right on the defense was that that heartfelt guy. That grunt was Tim Crumright, Wisconsin product. Right. So before the game, uh, we went out. We got you know those crazy the stripe yipe stripes zuba pants and all that kind of stuff and you know i had a big Bengals hoodie on you know and my buddy big dewey ronan he went and got a crumb right jersey 
Because I'll never forget it, because when Crumrise's leg snapped and it was just flailing around behind him, like, you know, some kind of fishing line with looking for bait, uh, Dewey threw himself on the ground and started screaming and crying. I mean, literally just, you know, like bawling and crying, okay? But we went and got, you know, jerseys and pants and hats and, you know, ready to go. Trotta's pizza, hell yeah. So when you get into your team, you're ready. Everybody goes to bars, restaurants, wherever it is. You gather up. You gather your guys. Have you ever considered, ever considered, dyeing your junk? I will take that as a no. That's what Giants fans are doing. Allegedly. So we don't get sued. Uh, Allegedly. Giants fans for this game against the Eagles... Are are we are we sure that they just these are a bunch of dudes living in mom's basement that haven't done anything with a female all their life and they're just blue naturally, but they're, apparently they're dying, allegedly dying their junk blue to give the Giants good luck against the Eagles. There goes my phone. <laughs> more than say it my phone starts buzzing like uh, it's probably a buddy of mine up north going what the hell seriously what the hell so where did this come from ben because you 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 brought my attention to this this morning i don't know the exact source but a big uh like a fox 29 big news guy in philly tweeted the video of it it's a short little 30 second it looks like an interview done by some giants you know news outlet with a fan asking what they're doing for the game and it has since circulated on twitter okay so let's be honest okay uh first of all the guy that is speaking is there any of this that we can play yeah all of it okay well let's do this let's take a listen to this guy that looks like it's it's a relatively well-maintained mom's basement and he's an older gentleman He's in complete New York uh, Giants garb, a jersey, a hat, the whole deal. And uh, let's 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 take a listen to the why his his junk is blue. Share this with you just for a chuckle. All the male Giant fans, what we do secretly before we play the Eagles is, you know, that Easter egg dye, all the different color Easter egg dye you dye the Easter eggs with. There's a certain organ that only men have that we dye our organ with the blue Easter egg dye, and then that's like a secret, you know, thing that we have going, and it helps us prevail. The Easter egg dye is going to be out in force secretly, and we're pulling out all the stops. (laughs) (laughs) We're pulling out. All the stops. That's not what you're pulling out. Oh. Somewhere, I'm trying. I, 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 every time something like this happens, I try to think logically about it. Somewhere, Ben, something happened with one of these guys, and they did this for whatever reason. And the Giants won that week. And so this guy has brought in some type of big game tradition 
of saying, gotta, gotta, I'm superstitious. I gotta diet blue again. What was, unless he was dressing as a creeper like Papa Smurf with no pants on for Halloween and the Giants won back then. Uh, other than that, I can't think of any reason in my lifetime, any anywhere down the road, in any circumstance and or situation, that I would ever consider dying my junk blue or dying my junk at all. Ben, can you, is there any circumstance in which you would go, you know what, this would be appropriate? Well, I think it's the color that's the issue here, that, that dark, ugly Giants blue, right? Like if... If you're talking about no, Packers no, colors. no, I, 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 no, I, I'm not going with like, you know, no, I'm not, no, I, no, I, I can't ever imagine any circumstance in which I'm going to go. You know what? Today, today, between you and me, yeah, I'm dying my junk green and gold. So yeah, so I'll ask no, this question: yes. What if, what if you were a Giants fan, yes. and that? Uh, tradition, we'll say, happened to coincide with Eli Manning in the 2007 Super Bowl run. A run that, that only could have been driven by something, uh, a higher power, because that was remarkable. And then, frankly, 2011, too. I couldn't do it. I, I What would prompt me to do that to begin with? That's my point. My point is, as he said, I'm pulling out all the stops, so I might as well drop my pants and dye my junk. There's nothing I could possibly do in my lifetime that would ever make me say that. Nor would I ever then walk around to my friends and go, hey, you got to dye your junk blue. I would probably get ostracized from the group. (laughs) So... Right? Dwayne says, my buddy Dwayne says, oh, come on. We could call you the big blue unit. Well, there you go. Um, no, it ain't happening. Even when the big blue blob was running free at Xavier University, and I love that guy. He was just a big blue. He looked like the Pac-Man blue thing, you know. But I, no. Even if it was my job. Just thought I'd throw it out there. Is there a circumstance in your life at all that you would say, Going to die in my junk today. Can't imagine it. Can't imagine if Jordan Love goes and wins a Super Bowl. No way. Could be talking about something there. Oh, come on. What if he leads next year's Packers team, Jordan Love, that is, to the Super Bowl? Wouldn't cross your mind? <laughs> Chris just, just texted me and says, uh, you're talking about the Love can't do it. I don't know if I can throw it off the air or not. Certainly, if all you right. have a huge package. There you go. Matt LaFleur listening to the program at all times. Head coach of the Green Bay Packers, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned. we got a lot more than Bill Michaels. Show. <laughs> not even if the Admirals go to the Calder Cup and my dying my my puck blue. It ain't happening. Uh, Milwaukee Admirals. Check out the MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. MilwaukeeAdmirals.com for all the hockey action, promotional stuff, uh, concerts after the game, everything they got going on. That's MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. Oh, puck it. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, 
Here's Mike Clemens. The Packers' Aaron Rodgers has talked about his close friendships with teammates like Mason Crosby, David Bakhtiari, and Randall Cobb. The same is true for quarterback Jordan Love, who went to high school with Packers inside linebacker Chris Barnes. I asked Jordan, are they close friends? Oh, yeah, we were real close. That's my guy. Um, we've been really close since really elementary school, into elementary school, going into middle school. What's part of the bond? No, we do a lot. We just hang out. We'll play video games together. We'll go watch movies together. We've been doing the same stuff since high school as you know more and like let's go to movies do stuff after school things like that work out yeah work out all that stuff we all we trained together we played seven on seven in the summers together like we did we did a lot of stuff together and with a couple of teammates in high school but no, we, we've had a close bond in the playoffs the 49ers host the dallas cowboys sunday at 5 30 quarterback Dak prescott threw for four touchdowns and ran in another in their win over the buccaneers as i said the confidence that i've gotten myself that I've gained over the years, the confidence I've gotten these receivers and the guys I'm throwing it to, I'm not going to allow that to, to change the way that I play this game and the way that we stay aggressive on offense. The Buccaneers fired eight of their assistant coaches yesterday, including offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich, head coach Todd Bowles. It all starts in the offseason. We'll try to make the right decisions going forward and thank everybody for their efforts. And, you know, when you come back here, we'll see different culture, different chemistry, and different camaraderie. That's Buccaneers head coach Todd Bowles. I'm Mike Clemens on The Bill Michaels Show. Show. We continue on this portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Canning Cane Jewelers, rocking your world in West Bend. West Bend, Wisconsin. We know uh, Valentine's Day right around the corner. So if you're looking for uh, jewelry of any type, uh, terrific uh, selection, hearts on fire diamonds, uh, but just knowledge and really, really good people, a great family owned business. It is worth the drive to West Bend. Get a hold of uh, Andy Kane, K O E H N, canejewelry.com. That is canejewelry.com, and they are there to rock your world. So uh, check out our friends at canejewelry.com. All right. So, Ben, we got two songs here. And normally when you you have music that is, you know, fans get fired up. That's okay. They get fired up about their guys, about their teams. Normally it's written about the teams. Now, um, you've got uh, Trevor Lawrence and they did a is it a waffle house song about them yeah it's a it's a spin off of a very famous applebees related country song gotcha that gotcha, gotcha. Okay. is uh, catchy to say the least so um i i got two songs here and i want to give you my bias coming up but you've got the trevor lawrence song so let's dip in and take a listen to the song written about the quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars, one long-haired boy, Trevor Lawrence. The field goal is good! Good! The Jaguars have won it! They have come back from 27-0 to win the game! That team's amazing. That's why we're singing. Down 27-0, still we're playing. Never say never with Josh and Trevor. Coach Peterson is crafty and he's clever. But after that amazing playoff victory, hey! where does Trevor go after making history? Hey, hey, hey! Yeah, he's fancy like Waffle House on a game night. Eggs and bacon <laughs> smothered like the Chargers. Double- I, I, I can't do it, Bill. Okay, I, okay, okay. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. It's so bad. <laughs> All right, yeah, that's that's not good. That's going to get that us is, taken off the air. And that... 
Um, that is taken from a song, from a country song. Okay, they basically took the music, stripped the words, and then put Trevor Lawrence into this thing. This is different. This was a song that was actually written for one Joe Burrow. I'm biased, and the reason I'm a little biased is because uh, a, a very good friend of mine, we grew up across the street together. He's They, they put this song together. It's be, kind of becoming an anthem in Cincinnati now. And So play the Jackpot Joey song. Some songs, like, become, you know, like the Bears Still Suck out of the Happy Schnapps combo that we all play here and we hear it over and over again and such. It becomes kind of organic when they write stuff like that. The original stuff ends up getting more traction because it's something nobody's heard before. The the thing about Trevor Lawrence, yeah, I'm agreeing with you. It's almost like nails on a chalkboard. However... Uh, funny, funny you mentioned this, uh, and we bring this up today. My buddy Joe, uh, not Joe Burrow, uh, Joe Ventry, uh, is the uh, the architect of the Jackpot Joey song, and Joe is actually out listening today, which uh, I find rather interesting. And so he called, Joe, are you there? I'm here. Hey, so yes. how has the Jackpot Joey song taken off in one Ohio? Well, I tell you what, um, we were uh, when we were two and three and four and four, not so much. But the last nine games, um, uh, we posted it last week. I threw it out on reels, um, and my uh, we had twelve thousand views just just in six days. Um, people were making cookies to them and posting them on TikTok. And um, it's interesting, though, Bill. I thank you for having me out because uh, on the show because I'm not getting any local traction with my local media. But you go to a guy in in Wisconsin and what do you Mo Eggers got it. Mo Eggers got it. I sent it to him. He's got it. I know he's got it. Well, you know, you better tell Mo that Joe ain't happy with him right now. Well, I, I, <laughs> and I, I just – And I, 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 I want to – I got a shout-out. Sorry, Billy. I got a shout-out because – uh, Mike Kramer, you remember Mike Kramer? Uh, yeah, grew yeah. Up about uh, my, my best buddy since we were ten. About a couple, he's the guy that he. Re- I mean, I, it was sort of I wrote it for a different music. Mike did all the music himself. Plays it. He he played the bass, the rhythm, the lead, and then that's me singing it. And uh, Mike and I co-wrote it. So uh, we got a mention on Sports Illustrated SI dot com and the Bill Michael Show. But uh, still waiting for like Fox 19 or Channel 12 or one of those. Well, I- I'll send it over to uh, Trisha Trisha Mackey too at Fox. Uh, I, she follows me on uh, on both Facebook and Twitter. Joe, it's great stuff. Uh, I'll be playing it around the house this weekend, that's for sure. And you, I just reposted it on all the media uh, levels, and we'll see if it gets any more traction for you. Appreciate it, pal. See you soon. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for having me. See you. You the man. Talk to you later.
Two hours down, two hours yet to go. We'll get back at it. Stay tuned. A whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up right after this. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.